if we're ever going to do anything, if we're ever going to pursue our own idea, our own venture, it's now. Is this good? Is this good for our marriage? I want to have a business. I want to running. I have a dream. Like, what is something that you wish you could have told yourself starting out with your business that you could have changed? The last thing you need when starting something is pessimism. Do what you do best, then hire out the rest. To always progress, to always keep going. Even if it's like in your lowest of lows, carry on just means keep going forward. Welcome to Well Made, where we dive deep into all things wellness, self-improvement, and self-love. I'm your host, Kat Kamalani, a mother of two beautiful kids and a proud wife to a firefighter husband. Together, we'll explore raw and candid moments that touch on every aspect of life, from parenting to relationships, career, and personal growth. Our conversations will be filled with insight, experiences, and tips to help you live your best life. So sit back, relax, and join us on this journey towards a happier, healthier, and more fulfilling life. Okay, you guys, welcome back to another podcast of Well Made. This power couple does not need an introduction at all, and I'm sure you guys all know who they are, but in case you don't, this power couple has built a multi-million dollar business from ground up all by themselves. They are in the apparel and accessory branding and line. This is Colby and Mackenzie Bauer. <laughs> you guys, thanks for coming on my podcast. You guys are the second on. But before we jump on to everything, I want to talk about how we actually met because this is just, I feel like, fate. Serendipitous. And yes, like a crazy story. Yeah, Colby, do you know this story of how we met? Did she tell you? No, 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 I just told them that I met a cool couple at the park. Yeah, that's it. Yes. Yeah. So we're living here in Hawaii and you guys are here for a month, which I want to circle around and talk about that with you guys. Yeah. But we met Mackenzie at the park. Our girls started playing and... I was just like, this is the coolest girl ever. And I found oh. out what they do. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have superstars in front of me, which is so cool. No. But yeah, I feel like it was fate because you guys are super inspiring with what you've done and hearing a little bit of backstory of your brand and what you guys have built. So I just want to dive into that in just one minute. So before we go into that, tell the audience that who doesn't know you and doesn't know your backstory of how you guys met and who you are. Do you want to take it or do you want me to? Sure. Rock, I'll take paper, it. scissors. <laughs> <laughs> who we are, we got married in 2014 We uh, in August and then we moved out to Hawaii right after. So we pretty much extended our honeymoon for six months out. So we were in Kauai and then we jumped over to here in Oahu and I was finishing up school where Mackenzie went to school for all four years and graduated. And while we were out here, we worked on a project. It was just a school project, really. Um, it's where it started. And then, and we can go more in detail on, on how it really got started, but um, we started a brand together. Um, so it was right after we got married. And starting a marriage and a brand all at the same time is, yeah. is extremely difficult and uh, scary and every other emotion. But it, it's panned out. It's worked. And um, we still love each other. Yeah. Most days. Some days. Some days. <laughs> <laughs> Dive into that of how you guys started the brand. Yeah. So Colby, we, it's kind of a little bit of a confusing story because there was a lot of back and forth between Utah and um, Oahu, hmm. where we are currently. But I graduated from BYU-Hawaii on the North Shore of Oahu. And Colby, I guess, technically graduated from, the nor from BYU-Hawaii as well. But we were introduced over here in 2013. And 
you were over here first semester playing soccer and that's when we first met. And during that time that you were over here, you were a total amateur and jumped into the ocean with your <laughs> she well, means pro, sorry. Wall <laughs> no, total amateur. Jumped into the ocean with your wallet in your pocket. And I love actually like picturing you. I've never told you that. Just like so excited to get in the ocean, like the first like day off the plane and just like, rah, like well, charging. Growing, growing up, so I have like very severe ADHD. Mm. Not sev- like very severe, but it was like to the point where I was extremely forgetful. So like mm. my, the way my mind works is I'm either really into what I'm interested in or I'm like, if I'm not interested in it, then I just completely block it out and for better or worse. But I was always made fun of growing up and by my family, I'm just known as the forgetful one. So I'd always leave my phone. I'd always leave my, like lose my keys or whatever. This is true. I like had to take, when we were dating, I had to take his phone to him multiple times. (laughs) One of the first nights we were dating, he left his phone in my purse. Do you remember this? Oh yeah. That was on purpose though. No, it was not. It was not on purpose. (laughs) And there was like so many messages from a girl named Cass. Oh, and I yeah. was no. like, I picked it up and I was like, cruise? oh my gosh, like my oh, heart sank. Funny, Do you not know, remember I, this? And then it was his childhood best friend, Cass, that had been texting him. Oh, that's funny. So <sighs> yeah. So, but anyways, I forgot my wallet was in my board shorts of my, so I rushed into the ocean and just stoked out of my, my mind right when I moved here and forgot my wallet was in there. So I lost my wallet and I went online to find a new wallet. I renewed all my credit cards, renewed my student ID and my license, you know, and that was like common. That was for me, that was like, oh, another one, you know? (laughs) But when I went on, I typed in men's wallets on Google and it was just like this never ending scroll of the same black, brown, bulky wallet. Like that was, it's like what your dad uses or the George Costanza. And I just, I didn't buy anything. I was just, I didn't, couldn't find anything I liked and it was too bulky. There was no expression, anything. So I just ended up not buying anything. And a few weeks later, I'll have all my cards and my cash just sitting in my pocket loose. And I'm walking through the grocery store here on Oahu Foodland, And I see this thick rubber band wrapped around some of the vegetables, like the, the broccoli and the mm. asparagus and stuff. And I snatched one off and I wrapped it around my cards and cash. And I was like, that's my wallet. And I fell in love with how minimalist it was and simple and the fact that I was always in wet board shorts, like it never got ruined. So it was just like, it was easy. And that's like, to me, that was the Hawaiian lifestyle too, is like being very resourceful and being very minimalist. And I just kind of adapted that mentality when I moved out and I just fell in love with this simplicity. And so fast forward, I moved back to Utah and I was, so I was bouncing back and forth from BYU to BYU Hawaii playing soccer at both. So I'm this, at this point, I'm in Provo, Utah, and I'm taking this class at BYU, and it's an entrepreneurship class where we had to come up with a product idea and launch it on Kickstarter, which is a crowdfunding platform, and it's a way you can really launch and raise money for your product ideas. And so the semester, we were given an pro- assignment where we had to create a product and launch it on Kickstarter. And I had thought about this wallet category for a while because I... Once I had my rubber band, and it was right during the time that Stance Socks was really up and coming, and it just, like, that for me, and I've always been entrepreneurial, so it was like, I was always kind of looking for ideas, but when I saw Stance in stores, I was in awe with, like, what they did. They just brought a boring category to life, and they, they gave it so much style, and, and I, that was the, the industry I loved, that, like, surf, skate, snowboarding, outdoor lifestyle. And so they caught my eye and I was like, I want to do something like that. 
And so thinking about all the product ideas and looking online and then remembering my, my wallet fiasco, I was like, I could do that same thing. I'll just make a stance socks of wallets in essence. That was like literally where it all, it all came so out. Cool. And so I went to the drawing board and, um, long story short, uh, got some elastic from a fabric store and I found out a way to print on it. And, um, then I just needed to sew. I, I couldn't, I didn't have a sewing machine. I was like gluing all my prototypes at that point, like stapling them and everything. And I needed to sew. So I found this girl that, that taught me how to sew and I got my first prototype. And when we were sewing, she's like, you know what you should do is like, you should put a key ring on it. And I was like, why? And she's like, well, for, as a girl, I would love to have this like on my keys or my, like my lanyard or whatever. And I was like, eh. like in my head, I was thinking this is for sure a guy wallet. This is not a girl wallet. Yeah. And I was like, guys don't want any bulk. Like they just want some, she's like, no, I would use this. And I was like, all right, whatever. It's just so, so she like grabbed her headband off of a doorknob in her room and she like cut it up, sewed it in. And that was like the first thread wallet. Do you and still have that wallet? I do. Well, yeah, we, no, do I we think have we it? do have that one in storage okay. in our little box. That's yeah. so cool. And maybe some of you guessed it, but that girl with the sewing machine was yours truly, Mackenzie. <laughs> and um, we fell in love and we were married in six months. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I didn't know that's how you guys met. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, we were introduced through some mutual friends and yeah, like there were some other things, but it was my sewing machine that really solidified it. <laughs> um, my Ken- sewing skills. Kenzie, when you, when you guys started dating and got married, obviously getting married, there's a lot of hardships and money is usually not at the top of the list of having a plethora of in your bank account. How was that for you guys starting a business, the hardships of it and the hardship of your marriage? Was it when you first got married, you're like, I have full faith in him. Let's go all the way in. Or were you like, "Mm, maybe we should do this as a side gig, do a nine to five job because we don't know how successful this is going to be. Yeah, that's a really good question. And actually, I don't think I've ever been asked that. I'd be curious. Specifically, when we first got married, I think there's obviously always unknowns, right? Mm -hmm. With any marriage, any relationship, but... We were really fortunate to have really three really good paths ahead of us. Colby's dad had a financial planning firm that Colby was pretty much slated to take over if that's what you wanted. And Colby was also pursuing professional soccer at the time. So there were some offers on the table there. And then we had this wallet idea. And to be honest, we were like really fortunate because a lot of entrepreneurs don't have the luxury of like nothing on the line. Like we, some entrepreneurs have everything on the line. They have a mortgage, they have four kids, they have a car payment, they've got student loans. Like we were really fortunate where like our parents had helped us pay for college. We had bought the car. We didn't have a payment on the car. We didn't have a house. So we didn't have a house payment. So the biggest part of us was like, if we're ever going to do anything, if we're ever going to pursue our own idea, our own venture, it's now. It's only ever going to get harder to start our own thing. And I've seen that. Like I know a lot of friends who are like, oh, I really want to start something, but I have such good benefits at my company. Mm -hmm. I have the, you know, everything's taken care of. So we were really lucky. And so I don't think I ever really had many doubts because it was just kind of like, this is what we're doing and we're going to make it happen. So when we decided to go all in on our wallet idea, which is now known as thread, we gave ourselves six months. We were like, if we can make this work within six months time, then we'll keep going. And if in six months it's not taken off, it's not working, then we're going to pivot and do something else. So we just put our 
feet to the pavement and went so hard those first six months to prove it out. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything you want to add? No, I, I just looking, thinking back on when we decided to give ourselves a deadline, I think it's really crucial actually mm. to put yourself in a scenario where you have to like sink or swim, you know, like you kind of burn the bridge, so to speak, and just, you got to figure it out. Totally. And that, that really kind of, it forced us to make it work, you know? Mm. And so we were, we were very determined to make it work. And I remember my dad saying when he started his firm, he said that the first two years were the hardest, but he said he devoted himself like as much as he as he was going to work as hard as he could for the first two years. And I kind of said the same thing. He, he recommended that. And I was like, all right, I'll just just crank it out for two years. It's whatever, it ha whatever it takes. I'm just going to do it. And it was really hard. It was really, really hard. But um, it was it was also awesome. Now, and it's yeah. awesome now. So it was. Uh, really stressful, very difficult, but come six months, we were, we were, our, we had the answer. We didn't have to be like, oh, what's, you know, should we still do? It was like, no, it's, it was clear. It was so very clear. Yeah, we, we were lucky in that way. We'd raised 35,000 on our Kickstarter platform, on our Kickstarter campaign. And then when we launched our website at the beginning of June of 2015, we did like 16,000 in the first two days Jeez. or something. So we're, when we originally Incredible. started, we were like, if we can sell five to 10 wallets a day, we can make enough money to like make this work for us. So that would have given us like 50,000 to $60,000 a year. And that first year we did around 140,000. So that was like insane enough. Yeah. yeah it, was I mean, amazing. it was more than we thought we would ever do. You know, yeah. like I, I remember thinking 60,000, I was like, no way. Do sixty thousand? It's like that's nothing, but we're like that would help us live, you know, and that we crushed it, you know. That was yeah, that was for really, me. It was an eye opener. I was like, are really, that many people looking to buy a wallet right now? I was, <laughs> was kind of confused by that. But hearing about that with you guys starting off your business together and being married, I'm curious to know how that was with your work life balance of separating Colby and Kenzie as my business partner, but also my wife and my husband, because Kiloni and I work together and he does all the, I say he does all the unsexy stuff in the business, <laughs> everything that I don't want to do. <laughs> but at first it was really challenging because he's a firefighter and he was I would say he would start to get in my lane and I would start to get in his lane. And we really had mm. to figure out what each other's lanes were and stay in our lane. And I like to call it lane of genius where mm. I'm really good at this and I'm going to focus on this and yeah. you're really good at that and you're going to focus on that. But it's still, we're still trying to figure out. So when you guys first got married, you got into that. Not only are you guys newly married, trying to figure each other out, but also figure out a business. What were some key components of making it last? Now you guys have three kids and you have this running successful business. I remember uh, one of the teachers at, B at BYU said that when you start your business, you're going to have no balance. Like it's going to be mm. very imbalanced. And I was determined to prove that wrong. And so I actually think that the balance in at least like the healthy habits that I was into when we were first married and starting a business, I was much more disciplined because I had to be. Mm -hmm. So like I, I was forced because if I want, really wanted to make this work, I had to wake up early. And so. Well, and at that point we were both working side jobs too. True. Yeah. To mm -hmm. keep things up. Like we, what were you guys I, doing? I nannied and I helped a lady at the end of the street with 
her taxes. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Kathleen. Yeah. I forgot about her. Yeah. So I would help like file all her receipts into TurboTax or something. And then <laughs> I taught online for BYU Hawaii for about a year and a half. So it was very small pieces of income coming in. And then Colby coached soccer. So mm-hmm. it really was like we had to, there's only so many hours in a day. And if we wanted to, carve out time to focus on thread then we needed to wake up early stay Mm -hmm. up late and that yeah we really had to be disciplined and yeah so and I was also finishing two more classes to graduate so Mm -hmm. I'd wake up at five and finish those classes I try to just pound them out in an hour and part of me also I don't know if I've ever told Mackenzie this but we were living in her parents house and when I asked her dad, if I could marry her, marry her, he sat me down in the living room where there's like a doll, a dead doll sheep hanging no, from the wall. No. And like, he's a big hunter, kind of and very he's holding intimidating. His gun? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Like washing his shotgun. Um, no. And he, he's pretty intimidating too. Like oh. just like his tone of voice and like, all that, you know, but funny, he's pretty small. Though. He's small. He's intimidating, <laughs> he's man. Small, he's scary. Got a big character. And he, he sat me down and he was like, so what are your plans on, a job and how are you going to take care of Mackenzie and you? And I was like, I don't know. Cause I didn't really have a clear answer at that point. Mm. And so I gave him, I was kind of vague, but I was like, yeah, I have a few opportunities. Like I'd love to start my own business. I could go be a financial planner, the whole thing. I'd love to pursue professional soccer. And he's like, well, just take care of my, my daughter. And I was like, okay, I will. And he's like, and if you don't, I'll kill you. And like <laughs> said it like pretty stern. And I kind of thought he was joking, but I couldn't tell. So I started like chuckle, but he didn't chuckle. So I was like, oh crap, what do I do? And I was just like, yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and so I, I felt a lot of pressure, like oh, I are, yeah. outside of like her dad, you know, and I got to, and he, he's amazing. Uh, but outside of that, I already felt pressure that added on pressure. We were living in his house. So I was like, so he saw every move. I'm going to wake up before that dude. I'm going to crank things out. I'm going to like, you know what I mean? I'm going to prove that this is more. And so he would come in every day and we'd be working on wallet stuff and he'd be like, uh, so how are you selling any more wallets? Like very condescendingly, you know, but like kind of curious, but he was like, like kind of didn't think he didn't see it. Right. Like, what are you doing? Is this like, even dude, really working? Yeah. Right. And I was like, yeah, we're actually doing really well. And like, I, he'd be like, really? And so like over time he's like, whoa, like now he's like, of course it's like really doing well. But yeah. those early days he, so I was like, I already had energy. I already had ambition for my own stuff, but like that just lit another fire in me. So mm-hmm. we were like cranking it out so there was no balance to answer your question like well sorry there was balance in the like my habits I was disciplined but as far as like marriage and work it was really difficult I will say mm-hmm. at least from my my standpoint I think for and both of us for both of us yeah and we we would always gravitate towards work because like we were passionate about it and we loved creating things and so every conversation like when we were um, on a, like on a road trip or like if we're, sorry, we're driving up to her cabin or something like it always turn the conversation always turned to work. And I remember feeling like, man, is this good? Is this good for our marriage? Like, should we try to switch things up and like not talk about work? And so we tried that. We were like, Hey, when we're in our, in the car, like we're going to, we set some rules and we broke those rules like very quickly. Nine times out of 10. And we were just like, you know what? Let's lean into it. Like we're, the, the lessons that we're learning about each other and about ourselves and about how we can communicate and work together and problem solve and create, right? Like that's, that's what you are supposed to do in a marriage. Like, and so now that's we have, good. we have kids. And so the transition to having kids wasn't 
that difficult because we were already communicating well. We already understood, mm. and keep in mind, we do get in arguments, so it's not like we're perfect, but yeah. we get each other. We understand each other on a deeper level that I don't think most couples have the opportunity to get on that level because the majority of their day is spent apart, you know, and so the man or the woman goes to work and, or they go both go to work and then they come back and it's like, they don't even really know exactly what happened for most of their day. Whereas like we were in it 24 hours a day, we were together. Like there was hardly any separation. And so she understood the stresses I was going through. I understood the stresses and problems she was trying to solve. And so it actually bond the business bonded us. And so we just leaned into it. And so we said like, it's part of our marriage. It's not, we're not, we don't need to separate it. Yeah. Well, I think just like you said, really leaning into finding, trying to find understanding around what lane you want to be in and drawing clear lines because most of our arguments, those first few years came from stepping over into each other's lines, Mm -hmm. mostly on my part because I, a control freak, like uh, struggle with that, like anxiety and OCD. And I, two years, three years into our marriage, got on medication and I feel like it's been a lot better, like my desire to control things. But that was, yeah, defining our lanes was huge in the beginning. Yeah. So knowing what you guys know now, is there anything that you would change starting your business off? Because it sounds like everything went really smoothly, but we know like every business, I mean, doesn't, you make mistakes and it's not smooth. So Mm. if, for the people who are listening right now who are driving, they're like, dang, I want to be in Colby and Kenzie's spot. Like, I want to have a business. I want to running. I have a dream. Like, what is something that you wish you could have told yourself starting out with your business that you could have changed? Yeah, that's such a good question. I We were so fortunate to have people rooting for us and helping mm-hmm. us. So you can't do it alone. Like, 100%, you cannot do it alone. So it's nothing that we would change because we had it. You know, we were fortunate we had that. I'll answer your question later but I think that's one thing that stood out to me as you were just saying like if there's someone who wants to take the leap into a venture whatever that venture looks like there there has to be a support group and you and you have to have a support group that's going to speak very candidly to you it's not someone who's going to just blow smoke you know like it has to be someone who's going to shoot you straight and and help you know and be optimistic because the last thing you need when starting something is pessimism. So there's a difference between candor and pessimism. Candor, if you if you don't think it's a good idea, pessimism pessimism sounds like, yeah, good luck trying that, you know, or man, that's sure. that you know, it's not on the right. And it's like the attitude in which you say. Optimism sounds like, yeah, that is, uh, yeah, I can see that struggle. Like maybe we look at it from this angle, or maybe you should try that, right? Like it's it's a little bit more forward thinking, and and you cannot get anywhere if you don't have either that mindset or people with you around you supporting and and looking forward and saying, how do we problem solve this together? It's just, it's too burdensome. It's too scary. It's a lot of fear involved. There's a lot of stresses that are going to come into play, financial stresses, uh, marital or relationships stresses. And, and if you don't have optimism and a vision that's pulling you through the hard stuff, you're never going to go anywhere. That you have to let the vision where you're going to, where you want to end up, that has to pull you through all the, the crap, you know? Yeah. So I, my advice for someone starting, or if I look back on what we've learned from this experience, the first few years were hard for a lot of different reasons. 
and it's hard now for a lot of different different reasons. But in the beginning, I think there is an element of you have this idea and you want to, for lack of a better word, control it. Like you mm. want to control the destiny of the idea. And it's really hard to give up control. And I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs and talked to a lot of entrepreneurs who are like, yeah, how do I scale this? How do I grow? I've, I've received traction, but now I don't know how to get to the next step. And when I get down to the nitty gritty, they're not willing to offload customer service mm. or they're not willing to offload shipping mm. or they're not willing to offload production or they're not willing to take the steps necessary to get them to the next level. Mm -hmm. They think they are because they've done all these things. They've gotten the business to this certain point, but you have to be willing to like take off hats. Mm -hmm. And I think that entrepreneurs are visionaries. They want to see the idea to the very end. And sometimes they feel like it has to be them mm -hmm. that solely gets it to the end. And it doesn't have to be that way. So for us, a motto that we've really um, took on is do what you do best, then hire out the rest. Mm. So when you're starting a business, of course, you're going to be wearing a lot of different hats. But over time, the goal is to be taking off the hats that are consuming your time in ways that you don't bring value to the business. Yeah, Shipping, customer service, production, accounting. And, and if those are the ways that you do bring value to the business, if you're really good with financials, then you keep yeah. You keep your pulse it's on like an accounting. It's like what you were saying, the lane of genius or like your core competency. Mm -hmm. If you have to identify that first, where mm -hmm. where are you going to bring the most value? That's the first part of it. And then delegate the rest. Get yep. get everything else off your plate so that you can focus on the best. But it also helps you know like you have to identify where you're weak too so that you can know <coughs> how to hire, where to hire. So if you're not good at customer service, if you're not good at production or fulfillment or whatever else, or if you're not an analytical mind, then you need an analytical mind on the team, you know, those types of things. But you have to be very honest with yourself and you have to be willing to give up control. I think that was something we waited a little too long to do. Mm. We took probably two and a half years before we outsourced both fulfillment and production of and the walls. And customer service. And mm. customer service. And you, you guys were doing we all, all of that. that. Yep. And oh we had, gosh. we had like friends and family helping. And then it took me till when Scotty was born four years ago and the company's almost nine years old. So we're in our ninth year of business and Scotty's wow. almost four. So it took me five years to hand off Instagram, like posting on social media and responding to the DMs. Like I was so like in my head, I thought that nobody else could get the voice or mm -hmm. nobody else could mm -hmm. know what photos that represented our brand. It's scary, right? it's scary, to, it's scary. to hand it off. Right. But yeah. that's, man, it has to happen. You know, I found it was super interesting when we were all hanging out at the park or the beach or whatever. I Kiloni asked you a question. He goes, how are you leaving work for a month and coming to Hawaii? Because that's insane. When you hear about someone having a business and they're leaving, not just for a week for a vacation, but a full month staying in Hawaii and checking out, not completely, you're still checking in, you're still working. That's insane. And the, the first thing that came out of your mouth was employees. Like mm -hmm. we have the best employees. Yeah, and I found it so interesting because you guys have created what it looks like for me, like this living, breathing thing that if you right now, both of you guys were to step away, threads would continue carrying on and doing its thing because you guys have created something that is just not you guys, but above you guys into that. And that is, that is really cool. Cause when you look at some businesses and 
my business brain starts going where I look at content creating just for myself. If I were to leave, what happens? It dies. Or if you're doing photography, you're the photographer, you're holding the camera. What happens when you leave? It dies. And it's like, how do you get your business to a point where you start growing it and you start making it this living, breathing thing? So when you do step away to Hawaii for a month, that it continues growing and it continues building. And that's what I find so interesting. You you gave a lot of your credit to your employees. Oh, 100%. I remember the first trip we took was two, three summers ago. Scotty was almost one. And that was the first trip that we'd ever taken that you didn't pull out your laptop once. And it was like a five-day trip to California. (laughs) But really, I remember coming home and a friend of ours who has a very successful business asked how our trip was. And I told her that. And she said, you know what that means? You have an amazing team. And I, it's so true. It's our team is incredible Mm -hmm. like we have some i think some of the best oh yeah yeah they're amazing the question though what you're saying is um how do you get to a place like that yeah is that really the yeah yeah you're trying to get at yeah i definitely uh know where i'm weak i'm i'm i could list a long list of things that i'm i'm really bad at um but i also know what my superpowers are and i think the one thing that i have been naturally gifted with but also have trained is identifying somebody's potential or identifying where somebody should fit in an organization. Yeah, what value they can bring. Yeah, what value they can bring and letting them and pulling that potential out. So giving them the autonomy, giving them the reins, letting them fail, be patient with them, train mm-hmm. them. And because the reason I think it's easy for me to do that is because I fail all the time. I'm real I mess up all the time. So handing those things off you know, if they felt, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I've made that mistake a million times. So it's, but those, those types of things, my, my philosophy within hiring is a lot of times people will say you hire slow, fire quick. That's Mm. like their, that's their mentality. I actually like don't subscribe to that. I like hiring smart and Mm. sometimes that's fast. Sometimes that's slow. The speed doesn't really matter. It's but smart, like really narrowing in on what questions you're asking. You have to know what you're looking for. And be able to ask those questions. So like all the, the smart, you really have to have a, a process in hiring. Fire slow. So give them some time to like get their feet on the ground and like really run. And, and it, if you fire too quick, then you could be letting go of some, someone that's amazing. You know, we've, sure. some of our best employees are ones that like I struggled with early on, but now they're like, you know, they're the best. So I think that's, that's a, a huge one is knowing knowing the hiring process so that you can get those people and attract those people. And yeah, we've just we've lucked out. I should I should say that God's our business partner too. And so <laughs> he's always put in our pathway like those people. And so it's yeah. been awesome. Yeah, we, we have a great team. Um when I was looking over your guys's website, what also came to my mind is like not only did you guys grind yourself, which I felt like was a key component, but having employees that you came in to make it this living, breathing thing, but your product. And we were talking about this, that when you first started out, you knew the wallet wasn't going to be the only thing you knew. How are you going to scale it and how you're going to do that? And it reminds me of McDonald's because when you think of McDonald's, they are not the healthiest food. They're not known for the best food. They're not known for any of that, but they're, what they're known for is creating happiness. They're known for creating experiences. They're known for creating, um, quick, easy meals that help your life make it easier. 
And they're now one of the number one companies in the world. And so when I was looking at your guys' websites and your products, that's exactly, I felt like I was in California hanging out with my girlfriends. Like I was looking at your promos and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be in Hawaii. I want (laughs) to skate. I want to do surfing. I want to be at like in nature. And it was creating this experience for me because it's not just about a wallet or an AirPod accessory or a lanyard, but it's almost this happiness and the story and experience you're creating around your product, which I love. Thank you. That's a huge compliment. So we really decided to lean in. I remember, so our slogan at Thread is carry on. And I remember years ago being like, we should do carry on as our slogan. Do you remember that? And people oh, yeah, were like, yeah, yeah. people were like, no, it's like too much like uh, your carry on luggage. And oh, I was like, yeah. yeah, but it's so cool. Like I could probably find Instagram posts from like the early days that I used that hashtag. Crazy, yeah. You remember? Yeah. So, but we, in 2020, we were like, let's lean into it. Let's lean into this idea of carrying on. Like our products are carry accessories and we really want to motivate and inspire people to carry on in their personal lives, whatever that looks like for them. So that's cool that you picked up on that. Like we really want people to fill empowered to like seek progression forward movement like always chase it's cheesy but like chasing their dreams doing their thing like getting out there getting after it Mm -hmm. and so it's cool that you picked up on that speaking of carry on you guys are doing something that's really cool with the carry on foundation i want you guys to talk about that and what is it exactly and what are you guys doing and why is it important to you yeah so backing up to just your comment i think brands you can you can fluff it up in this day and age pretty early. Meaning you can you can get really good photography. Mm. You can get good content video, right? You can make a, a website in a week, you know? Like it's so it's very easy to get the the facade up. What's really difficult in a brand is to build something that means something. Build something that's gonna last decades. You know, it's a legacy brand. That's what we want to create. We wanna leave this world with our brand still around, still pushing the why, the reason that we started, which is to help people carry on, um, both in the products we sell, you know, the carry, carry products we sell. Carry on narrative is to always progress, to always keep going. Even if it's like in your lowest of lows, pr- carry on just means keep going forward, even if it's slow. Just keep your eyes going forward. And it's being relentless about progression. Um, and then so the secondary, uh, narrative is triumph over trial. So everyone's going to be faced with trial in their life and that can look in a number of different shades, right? There's a million, million things in our world is faced with right now. Mental health is an attack on our society and you see it through social media all the time and it's run rampant, but you know, mental health isn't just for people with mental health issues. Mental health is just like physical health. It's for everybody. And so what the Carry On Foundation is, is we help youth train their minds and and get the mental skills at an early age so that when things happen in their life, or maybe while they're going through something, that they know how to carry on. And that's, so we teach those skills through the things that we love, action, sports, surfing, skateboarding, snowboarding, outdoor recreation, art, and music. Those are the things that we love and live. Mm. And it just, those sports, those disciplines naturally teach these lessons. And so we just draw them out. You know, we just make sure that we have a a curriculum that's built to um, teach these kids those skills. And it was really just rooted in, um, you know, 
Mackenzie and I both had our fair share of mental health issues mm-hmm. along the way. Um, my mom's an alcoholic. My mm-hmm. dad's has struggled with substance abuse. My sister's also and um, you know, eating disorders, everything from like, yeah, just like ADHD to OCD. My uncle committed suicide from severe OCD, you know, I'm so and, sorry. and that, but that's like, that's a story that probably everyone behind this mic could share, right? Yeah, like everyone sure. could share their story. I'm not saying woe is me, but it's crazy how often that is. That's everybody, everyone has a story or will have a story. And so we want to, we really want to help the youth. That's like our first and foremost is like, let's help the kids develop the, the mindset so that they can live a a healthy, happy life. I love that. I love that so much. This is one of the podcasts that I feel like I'm going to be listening to it again and again. And like, there were so many gold mines and gold nuggets in that and just writing down like you guys are good people. I hope you know that it's, it's not only inspiring what you're doing, but you're, and you're inspiring as people and parents and friends and I, I'm excited. I'm glad we had you on your podcast. I feel podcast. like we need a part two. We do need a part yeah. two. Back <laughs> in, you. I feel back like I could talk to you forever. Yeah, you're <laughs> easy fun. to talk with. Thanks yeah. for yeah. such Yeah, thanks for questions. having us. If you were inspired by today's episode, I encourage you to tag me on social media at Kat Kamalani so I can personally thank you myself. I would love to hear your thoughts on my podcast. So go ahead and leave a review. So high five for finishing the episode and trying to better yourself. I hope you found it informative, inspiring, and thought-provoking. I will see you again soon for another episode. Take care.